Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. You will find enough kids to staff every single Division I program and then some. Why would you give them give your spot away free when, as a business principal, you would charge for that spot? SI's Russ Dellinger. What's the value of a scholarship anymore in the NIL era? What's, what's the value of it? Because some select kids, high-profile football, basketball players, are making well above what their scholarship is every year. And SI's Pat Forty. Beer is a good product. Even the bad beer is a good product. Don't screw it up by putting cheese powder in it or trying to in any way replicate chili in the beer. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. And uh, we have National Signing Day next week. The final one. Not very exciting because there's only four top 100 players in the 24-7 sports composite that are going to uh, still have to sign. And one of them doesn't appear like he's going to sign, but we can talk about that. We also have the end of the transfer portal, at least at this stage, there'll be another after the spring, which has uh, obviously uh, shook up all sorts of stuff. Guys are sorting out. And I mean, some of them are like transfer portal will be get more transfer portal, right? Yep. You look at Ole Miss, their quarterback room now has, Spencer Sanders, the four-year starter from Oklahoma State, and Walker Howard, the five-star recruit from LSU, who has four or five, I don't even know how many years of eligibility people have anymore. Just <laughs> long I stopped deal. referring to anybody as sophomore, junior, senior, yeah, because I, what's whatever. the point? You don't know. So he might he's be there got, for six, seven years. He's got the John Calipari lifetime deal. Like, you just keep going. <laughs> Who knows? Till he dies, he can play here. I don't know how they NCAA does this thing. Anyway, he's got a lot of eligibility. Spencer Sanders apparently will be done after the next year. We will see. Maybe, maybe not. And then you got Jackson Dart, who probably at one point thought he was going to be the you know QB one, had the job, and now he. So like, Ole Miss brings in two more guys, and now it's like, are all three of them going to be there? At the end, can can the other two still transfer again? Or they did they impose that thing? Or is Jackson Dart the guy who could be on the way out? Or like it it, it you know, everyone's complaining about the the transfer portal. It's like you guys are recruiting over each other. So what are you gonna do? Pat, what do you know? I, I, I get the feeling that Jackson Dart's on the clock here. 
Yeah. Because he would be the one. They, they're not bringing in multiple quarterbacks if they were, like, in love with him. He had a good season. He didn't have a great season. They ran the ball mostly. But, you know, he, he they, they obviously want more out of the quarterback position than Dart gave them. And if I'm him and I'm looking around and seeing a guy, you know, first of all, a five-star recruit, but then also Spencer Sanders, who, I mean, like, threw and ran for four billion yards uh, in his time at Oklahoma State. I, you got to figure you're the odd man out there, and that is uh, the way these things sometimes go. It's, you know, the, the old overbooking, you used to overbook as freshmen. You know, you'd bring in three quarterbacks and let it sort itself out. Now you bring in a fifth-year guy and a sophomore, and you got a junior already, and and then you sort it out. So And Jackson uh, transferred Jackson from USC. Jackson transferred from USC one year ago. Not even. Right. January 29th, he hit, he hit the Ole Miss. So it's got one year, and now they transferred in two more dudes. Which means he's out of transfers. You know, so right. you can only do one now without Right, you the, only do one. Right, it's a one-time supposedly. transfer. Unless he graduates or gets the waiver. Yeah. Well, and there's going to be a long lost great aunt that just got cancer. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere. Right. Yeah. That has, you know, a, yeah. a failing kidney. And, you know. yeah. and they've, they've, you know, recently at the Thoughts NCAA convention, they, uh, yeah. they uh, made stricter the waiver <laughs> process because they are like tired of the granting. I don't remember how they made it stricter. It's uh, NCAA released something or whatever, but they're trying to get out of granting too many waivers. The problem is, you know, and we talked about this before. With the one-time transfer, they crack the door, and it's not closing again like Gary Barda and other athletic directors, some other older athletic directors want, is for them to to go back to the sitting out a year. Like, that's not happening. So they crack the door, and it's, it's just going to get kicked all the way open where it is an unlimited transfer. In a lot of ways, it already is because waivers are being granted, and if they're not granted, lawsuits are going to eventually be probably be, be filed. But, you know, they made it stricter, which a lot of people, especially in the NIL industry, didn't understand and other lawyers didn't understand why the NCAA has uh, made that stricter. Because I think everybody assumed we were looking at, you know, an unlimited transfer situation. Yeah, I, I'm that, like of all the things I'm mad at the NCAA about, this one's pretty high on the list is, is just, just failing to close the transfer loophole. I am fine with the one-time immediate eligibility transfer as long as it's now uniform across every sport, which it is. But you got to stop giving waivers, period, under any circumstance. What they should have said, I remember a couple of years ago talking to, you know, somebody on some committee about this, and they said, you know, yeah, we're going to we're going to crank crack down on on the waivers. And then they they went the opposite way. So now they're yeah. talking about it again. We'll see if they actually do it. But no, there's no reason you should get an immediate eligibility transfer. I'm sorry. If you had hardship at your other school, if you were poorly treated, so what? Go sit out another year uh, at the other school. If you, I, I mean, what, there's no circumstance I would allow it. I would not. I would just say you get one time, and after that, you're done. You sit out a year when you transfer again. Well, it's one or the other, right? You either, you either make it an unlimited or you, you, or, you, right. you, you don't. It just... Yeah. Or you do what you said you were going to do, and you make it one time, and then you put in the limitations. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even done the first. I think I've said that before. But if you, yeah, you know, it was completely unfair that others, other athletes in the sports that don't make money, 
could do it, could transfer. Right. Right. He could switch in field hockey, but not in football. Okay. That doesn't make any sense. A lot of these rules don't make any sense. Like, I always, you know, there's uh, college hockey's got like 50 guys that have been drafted already, still playing. And, you know, the sport has not collapsed, although they'll tell you it would. Uh, you know, there's the, all the different stuff. But yeah, the second one, because here's the thing if you have to sit out, even if you did the first one right away, it now actually adds. I don't know how to like it, it. It it adds resource that the school has to provide. Yeah. So you have eighty five scholarships, and you take these transfers, and they sit for a year. That you don't have eighty five eligible guys for your that year. So you are going to be more. Do I want this transfer rather than can I run the guy off in one year? And I'm not saying that's what Lane Kiffin is doing. But it's certainly it's happening at some point. Like when you can just the players are treating this like a one and done, right? And the coaches are treating it like a one and done. And maybe that's just a fair reaction. But this is a this is a NCA created, you know, mess. I don't know if it's a mess, but situation. So yeah, right. Lane Kiffin's just smart on it. And it's like I'm going to bring in three guys every year and mm-hmm. see what the heck I got to weigh the end. You know the way the NFL does, right? They weren't asking, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo if he felt okay with uh, with the Brock Purdy coming in. We might need him. Right. And so, you know, you just you just get all your quarterbacks, and then if somebody gets hurt, oh, you're gone, or somebody's feelings are hurt, and they're going to transfer, you transfer. And it's not a dumb way. I mean, you know, they have DeMond Williams, a 2024 really good quarterback from Arizona committed Ole Miss too, you know, who would arrive in two years. You know, but will they just keep stacking guys? So I don't know. I think it's like it started with too much power to the player, but now the coaches have all the power still or have a lot of it. So they have to react to that, and that creates the circus. And then when everyone complains that there's there's a thousand guys in the portal, it's like, well, some of those guys, some percentage of those guys are in the portal because you guys created are running a system smartly or exploiting the system that you created that encourages a thousand guys to end up in the portal. Sure. That makes sense. Running running guys off or overbooking. My question, like, did Walker Howard know Spencer Sanders was coming and vice versa? I don't know. Like, they came within, like, a couple of days of each other, and it's like, oh, what, what, you're showing up too? I'd like to be there for that new student orientation. It's like, hey, oh, hey. It's got to be doing here. just (laughs) tough, like, that quarterback room. Man, if that, that is a kumbaya, we'll hear that. We all support each other. Oh, oh yeah, man, you yeah, guys we're brothers. Are good we're people, brothers, man. Good people. Yeah, I mean, three three of you all got promised the job. All of you transferred uh-huh. to Ole Miss expecting to get. Well, Spencer Sanders knew what was up. He was just like, "I'll take these two. I got them." <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen Walker, the tape. I'm better. Walker's well, the youngest, so I think he's probably more of a right a long term, maybe down the down the line thing. And Spencer and Jackson sound like more of the short term having a competition for next year. But I, I think Ole Miss knows that, you know, they'll probably start fall camp not with all three quarterbacks. So, which is, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I mean, I you don't expect, but Walker already transferred once. So he used his one time and so did Jackson. And then Spencer's, mm-hmm. it's Spencer graduate transfer. Yeah. So he could yeah, transfer so like, again, I believe. He could theoretically, he right? as yeah. a graduate. So <laughs> he could. Yeah. He, he could, could get leave. a sixth year. He he could he could leave again. He could transfer uh. again. I guess if he if he wanted. But they're all kind of bound unless they get the 
whole waiver thing, you know, which brings the conversation in a, in a full circle. But uh, they they could, uh, yeah, they could all be kind of, so to speak, uh, stuck. Jackson played two years, one 2020, one at USC, one at USC 2022. So he's got two to seven years left. I don't know. <laughs> two to three. So two to four. Two to I don't seven. Know. <laughs> Sounds like a prison term. Yeah, yeah. How much you got left? I'm in, I'm in two to seven. It'll be good behavior. Listen, if Jackson Dart is throwing passes for Kent State in 2027, I'm not going to be shocked. <laughs> you heard it here first. I don't know how. I don't know if it's possible. I hope that's not the case, Jackson. But if that's the if it happens, I'm not. You heard it here first. I don't know. I don't know any of the rules anymore. Neither did the NCA. <laughs> Everybody gets a transfer whenever you want it. I I just like. I guess you have to have you have to like. So before this, now they transfer. Like, could you apply for the waiver after spring practice? Like, let's say Jackson, let's say Jackson Dart just holds these guys off. Like, he's great in the spring. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Walker Howard might be like, all right, I'll get the job. Well, I guess in a couple, I don't know, who knows, right? But let's say Spencer Sanders, like, well, this is not it. I didn't come here to be the backup. I only got one or two years left. Can he all of a sudden find the sick ant? In in June, or does he? Is there like a one year penalty where you have to at least be there like a season? I think the sick ant's always available. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think you have to be there. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I guess I don't know the specifics, well, not, but I don't think. No, so. actually, like once you establish residency and enroll at a school, I think your clock starts. Yeah, he's got to pass so, his classes. I mean, yeah. So I no, that's the thing. We're like. I do think Spencer Sanders is to, to as Ross said, as a grad transfer. I think you can, he could probably go again. Yeah, I think so. But the other two, I mean, not the Jackson Dart. Well, no, the other I mean, Jackson Dart's already used this transfer. We're all confused. <laughs> Walker Howard can't get back up and leave. <laughs> I saw. Like, never mind. You don't get so, a never mind. So I, don't. I saw a basketball recruit the out, other day. You know. His basketball recruits were final five. Were like. I can't remember what the schools were, so, and I can't remember which player it was, but it was something like, you know, he's going to choose between Kentucky, Kansas, Overtime Elite, <laughs> the Australian <laughs> Professional uh, League, yeah, and like, yeah. the G League, and like, just work. It was like a tr- Elite X training. <laughs> it was like, that was... <laughs> nice. His hat's like, what, are we going to do a hat dance with all these things? What is, might go work for Eddie's, you know, towing company down, right. down the... Put some jobs <laughs> on there, yeah. Okay. I'm pleased to choose the University of Overtime Elite. I don't know what he was doing. I was like, "All right, fine, go, 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 be yourself, man. Live your best life." I just have no idea what this is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I this this one seems like they've walked into it, and uh, tra- uh, Portal King Lane Kiffin is like, hey, "This works for me. I can yeah, load yeah. up on quarterbacks, and now I might have them all stuck." I mean, if you yeah. don't care about like how nicely they're all getting along, right? I would sure like going into the season with these three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. You got to be a sucker to just hand your job over to one. And I mean, they've always done this. Big schools have done this. That's what I said. Yeah, overbooking is not new. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mac Jones is a viable NFL quarterback who was third string for most of his career at Alabama. So right. who's it? Uh, who's the one that was behind Leinart at USC? Never even played. 
Oh, uh, uh, and it made the league. He got was it Matt Castle or no? Yeah, it might have been Matt Castle, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. this is not unusual. And they used to have two hundred scholarships in like in the in the seventies and eighties. Everybody got a scholarship, you, you know, eight string, all that stuff. But certainly an interesting. And somehow game. there was still enough money for non-revenue sports then. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Nah. <laughs> uh oh. All right. Well, <laughs> Pat. Pat's excited about this New York Times article. <laughs> It's a good Which, story. It's a good it story. was it was well done. New York Times Magazine. That's when they really get highbrow. Oh yeah, Bruce Schoenfeld uh, did this story. It's in the New York Times Magazine. I'm guessing it comes out this week. They may give it online like a little early. I don't know if you buy the New York Times Sunday paper, which I think is cost like. 15 bucks now yeah just buy an epic athlete man come on (laughs) patrick mahomes epic athlete on sunday don't buy the new york times time's got enough money anyway it is about nil situation at north carolina uh and they spent a lot of time with bubba cunningham the the athletic director there and trying to sort through uh it's good it's a good story because it just sort of it doesn't it's not too like judgmental it just sort of sorts through like bubba cunningham who's been you know been an administrator a long time he's a very smart guy just like head spinning going i don't know what's happening you know leaky black is making more money than my field hockey team spends (laughs) will there be boosters are all my funding going to dry up for the smaller do i have to cut sports do i not I don't know. Pat, you, you've read it. I, I don't know if, Ross, you have. What, what were your thoughts on the Carolina New York Times Magazine piece? We don't get college athletics yeah. in the New York Times Magazine very often. No, we don't. So we should talk about it. It was, it was a really good story. I, you know, third part, agree, disagree with the philosophy, whatever. But but what it did for me is it it, it, it took basically every angle of the NIL collective player compensation story and and brought it all to one school and one story so it was good in terms of you know here's the players the star basketball players and here's what they're getting here's what some of the star football players are getting here's everyone else and this is a school that's good at a lot of other sports north carolina is a top 10 15 all-around sports school probably top 10 and then yeah you got the the hand-wringing athletic director bubba cunningham who does care about their Olympic sports success, partly because they're really good at it. And kind of it's what's the balance going to be? And they talk to NIL people that that give money and collective people that 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 uh, dole out money. And, uh, you know, they made it seem certain that this is not going to be sustainable while still supporting all of their Olympic sports. We'll see. You know, we will see. The one thing we don't know for sure is what is the, you know, the net, if if here's the net amount of money that you are getting in terms of contributions from people, and it's been affected to the point where you now have significantly less for the sports, what's the cutoff point? Like, where do you break? Where do you say, all right, we can't do this anymore and we're going to have to cut a sport? Or is this all still doomsaying of, well, this is coming, this is coming. Will it come or not? I don't know. But I just, I, I, I thought they did a good job. They started with Armando Baycott and his Extremely nice, bright blue Audi. Looked really cool. I'd like one. And his mom um, is his agent. Yeah, mom's it's his like agent. family business. And him talking yeah. about how, like the side parts I liked where they talked about how the players were getting really into like negotiating deals and thinking about business. 
mm-hmm. all of that. that I, li- I like that. Like, that's kind of something we never talk about. But I like, right. this is pretty interesting. So go, go ahead. Sorry to cut yeah, you off. No, no, no. I mean, that's yeah, players have had to become, you know, business literate uh, for sure. So, you know, I just I think that it, it, it captured kind of where the tension is from the athletic administration, mostly because it was mostly, I think, from from that point of view. But also, like, this is the way it is now. It's not going away. And so it, are we fine going forward or will there be problems? What will the problems be? How significant and when? Yeah, it's it's uh, I, uh, I hadn't got around to reading it, reading it, but I assume it's uh, it's a lot of of what we've seen, you know, the last year and a half from administrators of the, yeah, the fear of like, what's next. It's just like this big question mark of what, what happens next and how do we handle this? And is this sustainable? That's a question. I've been making calls on like NIL stuff for the last three days, trying to get back in it uh, now that the season's over and understand like the state of the situation, specifically what like collectives, and where things are, and and that is like the questions that everybody's a- asking: is is this sustainable? And uh, if it is, is or isn't, like, what is the next step for NIL beyond the the collective stuff? Is, is it when does revenue sharing start? When does athlete employment start? Which we talked about on the pod recently. You know, some administrators want either employment to happen or revenue share to happen because they don't want their teams funded by rogue boosters or, or third parties. And that's what's happening right now. And it's a predicament. And, uh, you know, it sounds like this story highlighted the Olympic sport issue. And, and uh, you know, that obviously is is one that is, you know, at the top of everybody's mind in college athletics. In fact, that, you know, the new president at the convention had a, uh, Charlie Baker had a kind of a round table with a few ADs, I believe, about specifically about, you know, the Olympic sports and the future of Olympic sports. And uh, it's, yeah, it's just a lot of questions right now in very little, little, little answers or solutions. And if, if you talk to NIL collective folks, like who run collectives, they'll tell you everything's fine. And this is a great model and we're, we're doing well and we could just keep on going like this. We don't, we don't need any more rules. We don't need any more regulations, but they're probably the only one saying that, you know, everybody else is saying. It was always me. Eve, yeah. <laughs> Dan in the collective CEOs. <laughs> but even like, um, you know, players or former players, you know, like I was talking to a former Rutgers football player who used to be on the D1 board of directors and just graduated from Rutgers in the last year or so, Ryan Cassidy. And he, he was talking about, look, the, the people, the students in SAC, we, we want more regulation. We, we don't think this is right either. This is unsustainable and we need more regulation. So lots of, lots of questions. That's Dan Chicks' head. I mean, I, I (laughs) Please impose more rules on me. I don't. I, I'm just. I don't think they know what they're doing on that. However, who knows? Two things stood out to me. One was it was a really uh, interesting part of the article. Was Aaron Matson, this uh, field hockey player at North Carolina, who's like the three-time player of the year, like the best field hockey player uh, in the country, and she's got a bunch of deals, like selling T-shirts of this logo she designed, and this one restaurant gives her like a free grain bowl. 30, 30, 30 grain bowls a month. Which yeah, is, but it was know. closed on Sundays. Yeah. So you actually, she could get two grain bowls certain days. <laughs> it's a lot and of grain. 
yeah, she's got all these different things, but it's like, so, and then she's like getting, she's making money and she's learning business and all that. But then essentially, if there's only so many dollars, her whole entire field hockey program's at risk. And like, would that, would you run out of money to fund the field hockey team to where Aaron Matson uh, can't play or isn't, isn't played the same way? I don't know. The field hockey team ran 166,000 over budget in the 2021 season. It relies on gifts of donors and ticket revenue and sponsorship and then, and then all, all the money from football and basketball. So it doesn't really make it, it loses a bunch of money. So I thought that was interesting that they found, like, this is someone who's both benefiting and then, like, terrified of it, uh, what yeah. happens. I thought one interesting part that Bubba Cunningham said, they were talking about the Ivy League, and this kind of is, is interesting. I was having this conversation the other day uh, with someone, you know, someone else in college athletics, and uh, so he said the Ivy League has it right in that they don't provide, because... It isn't a coincidence. This is just in the story. Um, the Ivy League doesn't provide free rooms, meals, and tuition, right? Harvard has 42 varsity teams, but nobody right. gets a free ride. So all of that cost yeah. is gone. And Cunningham said the Ivy League has it right. That, to me, was the line in here that I found very interesting because – what the Ivy League does and what all these schools do is provide a platform, right? And what, one of their problems when they went uh, in front of the federal courts all the way to the Supreme Court was we can't, these guys can't make, these athletes can't make money. It ruins amateurism or we can't pay them or all the different stuff. And the, and the problem is they do pay them and they pay them with tuition, room and board, which anybody who knows anything about college knows is a, is a, not a, insignificant amount of money. They also pay them different amounts. So if you're, let's take a, uh, I don't know if they play field hockey at these schools, but let's say they play soccer. You're a men's soccer player from Indianapolis and you sign with Indiana. You, you're, what you're getting is the equivalent of in-state tuition, room and board. It might be say 30 grand. I don't know. If you sign with Notre Dame, it's 90 grand. So you're not even getting the same amount of money, right? Different schools. So their problem was, well, you say you can't give them anything, but you're giving them something. So I wonder if, and I mean, this would be a hell of a fight, but I know it's kind of interesting Cunningham went that way in that if you if the schools didn't have to provide all this stuff and just provided the platform to make your own money, is that the way you save these sports? And, and now obviously to to come up with that idea, but you could do it with football and all that also. Like Rutgers just announced a collective that will pay football, men's basketball, and women's basketball players a base thing, right? They aren't bothering with the Olympic sports. They Obviously, the collective doesn't believe there's a way to raise, that that moves the needle with donors. So would you just sit there and say, everybody just comes here and we provide the platform for you to compete? We have a team but we don't give you any deals the same way that would be true at say a high school. Although private high schools often can find a way. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, if they did that, like for every sport, you know, if it, it, I mean, if it's not just, well, we're going to give scholarships for football and basketball and then everybody else. No, that's not going to fly. You, know, you, you would be title nine into a puddle of jelly. 
Why? If you gave nothing to any, you gave the, if you gave no scholarships to men or well, women. Like I said, if you, if you do it you for everything nine? but football and oh, basketball. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. You would have to not do it for football and basketball, obviously. Right. You'd have to not do it for everybody. So, okay. I mean, it's an interesting concept. The question then, yeah, can you, can you possibly donor up enough money if you just literally eliminate your scholarship pool? Can you donor up enough money to support that? I, I don't think you could. I think that would be asking a lot. Now, I mean, there's but some you wouldn't, schools that, you wouldn't, you would cut all your costs, right? A but, lot of your then, costs. Yeah. But the, you're still, you'd have to throw this back on the donors, right? But the donors are already there. You're cutting costs. You're presumably. Are they I mean, there I, to that I don't, extent? I, 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 look, some we, places we talk, we talked, I think all three of us were talking with a, we were texting as a group text with a unnamed SEC AD. And he was saying, like, they just voted. The NCAA just voted with like soccer to make the the fourth position for was it soccer or baseball? Baseball and baseball. softball. Ba- some a couple baseball others, and softball but, yeah. could no longer be volunteer, or you could pay your fourth coach. Where in the past it was yeah, volunteer. Yeah, you could. You at least have the. So option. now everyone's going to end up having to pay for a fourth coach, right. right? And like that's one of the ways expenses just go up. And it's like, why did we do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, is the fourth softball coach really necessary? Uh, no, if you, I mean, <laughs> well, they ask, did it. Like the baseball coaches have been screaming for years about not having. We need extra staff. coaching. I mean, right. okay, but that right. is not like that's like a luxury item. I I agree. I mean, you're right. I mean, back in like you look at back at like the 1970s, the Yankees had like two guys, two coaches. <laughs> then a manager, assistant, or they had enough for the third and first base coach. Like that was it. Or players used to be the manager. Whatever. Like, and, and I get it, right? The NBA would just be like Red Arback on the bench. And now there's like three rows of coaching be- on the bench. Right. So those coaches in the NBA now, it's like rows oh, yeah. of guys all taking notes. So, mm-hmm. but like the expenses go, I don't know. You would cut a lot of your cost out and then you just sit there and say you want to come here these kids would then be paying or getting financial aid any other way they the, the natural way and maybe that's the way that you you do this i don't know if it gets to it i it would be a hell of a fight to sit there and say but like a lot of these kids would i'm guessing that virtually every single kid that's got playing athletics at north carolina the appeal was not the free tuition it was the chance to attend north carolina Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, it's a, an elite school and they're good at their sports. Almost well, you had three moment. college athlete children, yeah. Pat. Yes, yes. Your wife is a hell of an athlete, clearly. <laughs> hell of an athlete. <laughs> True. <laughs> she was a college athlete. <laughs> I was not. Right. So. You married a hell of an athlete. But yeah. you had three. Would you have paid? Would all three of your kids gone to the same school if you had had to pay? It's a like good we- question. So I'll tell you the the specific scenario with my oldest Mitchell, who was largely a walk on. 
So he was just, he was going to get books and a little bit of money. And his last two schools were Missouri or Northwestern because he wanted to go to journalism school. I would have been happy either way. And in some ways I wish he, I was hoping he would choose Northwestern because the safety net of if you change majors, they're all good majors at Northwestern. But he chose Missouri, and that saved us a lot of money. A lot <laughs> of money. All right? Right. You know, it's like 75000 versus not very much for Missouri because, A, he got a scholarship because I'm an alum, and he got a scholarship because he's smart and stuff like that. But, yeah, that decision, like if, if Brooke, if we had to pay for Brooke, we, for all of them, we could have done it, but it would have been a stretch. It would have been a stretch. And so – there may have been a, a, I don't know, there would have been subliminal, but like, you know. But she would have gone somewhere and some and she would have swam. Let's say she just goes and swims at Kentucky in state. Mm-hmm. You live in Kentucky mm-hmm. or Louisville. She yeah. still would have swam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so somebody who was, and then Stanford's got to find someone else who would have paid the 80, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously it's great benefit. I mean, I'm not, you know, I prefer your mm-hmm. bank account get drained. <laughs> um, but no, I, it's just, no, it's, I don't know. I, this is the line in I mean, here. That's the most interesting thing. I mean, this is a major yeah. AD staring into the abyss going, my donors are going to start just paying basketball players. And how the hell do I make this field hockey team work? Right. And, uh, yet the NCA, again, you want bad rulemaking is sitting there saying, you now need a fourth coat, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Or you can buy you you can hire a fourth coach, so they immediately hire. Like college sports Inc. just grows. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. In, right now they're they're talking ahead. about eliminating the well, not eliminating, but they're talking about allowing like football analysts to be hands on and coach. And you know that's a, I guess more of a making legal what what already happens in a lot of places, right? Analysts are hands-on and are coaching. But what is that going to do? Bit if of an issue that, for well, Michigan. Yeah, there's, they're going to hire more staff, and you're going to probably pay that staff more since they can coach hands-on. So it's just going to keep on climbing. Now, that hadn't passed yet. That At the convention, the Division One Council is supposed to vote on that, and they sent it back down to the Football Oversight Committee where it will be – I heard tweaked, I guess. The language maybe will be tweaked a little bit, but it's supposed to come back and be presented before the D1 Council. But this is just another way that staffs will grow and expenses will grow with salaries uh, if this if this happens. Dan, your point, you're, you're talking about basically abolishing all scholarships, like not having scholarships paid for, like not having, right? So this is a, it's right. a good point. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, Interesting that Bubba said that, and a lot of ADs have mentioned that. A lot of ADs have posed the question to me, and I think we talked about this on a, actually a work call not too long ago, is what's the value of a scholarship anymore in the NIL era? What's what's the value of it? Because some select kids, high-profile high football, basketball players, are making well above what their scholarship yeah. is every year. And, you know, they uh, no longer and, qualify for financial aid. Right, right, right. So, uh, <laughs> so, so like what is the, Yeah, it's a, it's a legitimate question Let's see what, of what the value is of a scholarship. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. It's interesting. I, here's the thing. Like, we talked about this one. Remember uh, Hartford, University of Hartford was going to yeah. – are they still going Division three? 
Yeah, I think, I think they so. Are. They're like they're independent this year. I think they're yeah. they're on the in the transition. Phase. And my opinion is, I you know, look whatever you want to think about Harvard or Hartford Athletics, and they should have basketball and all that stuff. Fine, but as a simple business deal of the school, every scholar like if you have they talk in the article is like five hundred thousand kids who participate in athletics that are like you know, uh, high school athletics, it's probably more than that, but whatever. You have this massive pool of kids that are dying for recruit for spots on a team. You could probably charge more. You could try tuition plus fees for your team to get, like people would pay to be on the team. They'd pay extra. Right. Yeah. And instead as a business sense, the colleges are actually giving people who would pay extra to be on the team. Some of them would, but there'd be enough. You have enough kids out there who are so desperate to play college athletics, let alone at a division one. And so like Hartford, every kid, Hartford will still have all the same amount of teams, but instead of spending money on scholarships, all those kids will pay full boat. That's a business plus for Hartford, which is a school that I'm guessing isn't, they don't have any $40 billion endowment. This is not Harvard, it's Hartford. Okay, but- <laughs> Every kid on you will find enough team kids to staff every single Division One program and then some. Why would you give them give your spot away free when, as a business principle, you would charge for that spot? Now, yeah, I'm not your saying they're going to do suck. that, but you're like, hey, you want to play <laughs> North Carolina field hockey? Give us ten grand because if you want to play on the elite travel team that got you noticed, you pay ten grand. Yeah, right. right? So it's kind of a weird, it's a, it's a very anti-business free market principle to give away something that someone will pay extra for. It's the, yeah. the BMW dealer doesn't have, you know, it's not Toyota-thon down at the, at the Lamborghini <laughs> shop. $600 rebate on President's Day weekend. No, it's just like, this is how much it damn costs. You want the Bentley? You want the Lambo? <laughs> deal with it. Right. If it's so they're doing it completely backwards on these scholarships. I mean, this is crazy concept. Like just speaking this out loud. If I was an administrator, I'd be fired and canceled. Right. I get all that, but Bubba said it, man. Now, I mean, look to a degree and Andy Schwartz makes this argument and makes it well, the economist guy, sports economist guy that, a lot of these places where they say that the teams are costing them money, they're actually making the school money. They're not maybe helping the athletic department bottom line, but they're helping the school bottom line because they're they're got a partial scholarship and you're paying out of state tuition. And right. so, you know, when you've got uh whatever the, you know, 12 scholarships but you got 30 people on the roster, those people are paying a lot of money to come to your school and depending how expensive it is a lot of money. So that that, depends on, are you over, let's say you have 10,000 students to your school. Would you, and, uh, and, uh, 500 are athletes. Do you have 10, like you could fill, you could fill those with regular students. Like North Carolina does not lack for kids dying to go there. No, no. Just regular old kid. Yeah. And and that's why they can charge this much, right? Why can Notre Dame charge 80 something thousand dollars to go there? Because they've got <laughs> thousands and thousands, thousands of kids willing to pay 150, and they just don't do mm-hmm. it out of shame. But they <laughs> well, each year goes up a little bit, oh, right? No man. one's ready to. Oh, I yeah. mean, Harvard could be like, you yeah, want to come to Harvard, half a million dollars a year, and they would have 2,000 freshmen show up, 
that are pretty freaking smart. Yeah. So it's it's this conundrum of what are we a business mm-hmm. or are we right the NFL the NBA they're not paying a dollar more than they have to. Colleges are giving away something they could charge for, and I don't know. But anyway, but now I, I, I seem to remember somebody decrying you know these colleges just catering to the rich people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be doing exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, right. Unless, you, unless you're a big player and can get some booster, right, nil money, then, right, uh, and right. that's what would that's what would happen in the in the big sports. Like it happen, like it's happening now. But I, I you know, and I've, I've written this several times. It, it's, um, you know, college sports is is kind of in this uh, purgatory, like between professionalism and, and amateurism, and you know, it continues to to be pushed toward the professional model. At some point, and at some point, that tethering—we talked about it before—like that tethering between that links or connects college sports in higher education is feels like it's just gonna pop. Yep. Hey, I yeah. remember that last spring, Jack Swarbrick saying to me that eventually he thinks people will just license their name, school colors, fight song, or whatever to an independent group that mm-hmm. plays football and will be called the Fighting Irish. They won't be called Notre Dame. Yeah. They'll be called yeah. the Fighting Irish, you know? Yeah. Or same yeah. with Alabama. They'll be called I mean, the Crimson Tide. The whole process makes no sense. I mean, clearly, right? I mean, it's just absolutely you go to yeah. you go to a no, school in like even Canada or like <laughs> like if you go to Notre Dame, right? This unbelievably gorgeous campus and smack dab in the middle of the thing is this massive football stadium <laughs> they use six, seven days a week of a year. Right. A year? Like, what? What is this? Like, this is a college. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Right. We love it, but it makes no sense. No, right? it doesn't. And you're like, ah, eh, well, yeah, you know. And when okay. you bring in people from outside of college, like we've seen a lot of commissioner hires, you know, from outside yeah. of, of college sports, they do. They come in and they're like, what the F is going on here? Like, what are y'all right, doing? Right. You know, I mean, they just they don't, to, it just, they don't get yeah. it. Or you go to, like, go to, uh, I, I once walked around Trinity University in Dublin, a beautiful place, right? But I'm sure it's the same at Oxford, whatever. Like, there's no 80,000 seat rugby, Irish or Irish, you know, whatever sport. <laughs> so stadium in the middle of the thing where you're like, oh, that's the, you'd be like, what is that? Oh, that's where we play <laughs> rugby. That's the biggest, most expensive building on campus. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, that's where we're at. All right. Speaking of a guy who's got a lot of money, including one extra million dollars, <laughs> Brian Kelly. Got some explaining to do. I'm here with my family. <laughs> LSU, I read from the AP, LSU accidentally <laughs> overpaid Tiger football coach Brian Kelly by $1 million during the first year of a 10-year, $100 million contract, but discovered the error and has moved to correct it. The Louisiana Legislative Auditor's Office said Kelly was overpaid $1 million one thousand three hundred and sixty-eight in supplemental payments in 2022 because of duplicate payments made to both Kelly's LLC and to the coach directly. Now we are decrying players for doing stuff, and they, <laughs> Brian Kelly's got an LLC and him and a million. They're moving to correct it. They're calling Brian Kelly, and he's like, "Who this? Like, come on." <laughs> New okay, phone. bad job by no LSU bookkeepers. But at what point do you know, even if you have a lot of money, you know a million extra is in the – I mean, come on. Well, it is it is interesting. I, I, I posed <laughs> that on, to somebody. Man. 
And they're like, you think you think BK is checking his bank account? No. So like, all right, whatever. Sure. By a million? <laughs> I I think it might <laughs> cross my mind. Like, oh, gosh. Wow, well, I, I wonder what that, that was all about. Now, Call my I, would, like, I wouldn't really. mention it either. I mean, <laughs> well, no, nobody would mention it. <laughs> Wait for somebody else to find the error, right? Don't spend it necessarily. I know he's obviously got enough because he might have to give it back. But until someone comes looking for their mill, <laughs> he was barely scraping by as it was, you know. He needed guardrails. To- we need guardrails. <laughs> We're going broke. They overpaid a dude by a million bucks and no one noticed for, for a whole year. Yeah, he gets going, fired in in accounting over that. Speaking of going broke, how about the same uh, some statistics uh, and figures in in that same audit report that LSU's football program generated ninety five million dollars last year and made a net profit of thirty five million dollars last year. Yeah, that was a nineteen percent increase from the year before, which was the year they they went six and six. So, yeah, it's uh. There's there's no lack of uh, of money being uh, being made at the very top of uh, of college football. Yeah, look at Tennessee; they beat Alabama, and all of a sudden, but Josh Heupel got a uh, how much? Four did million Josh dollar raise. Four, Danny nine, White got a uh, yep. the ADs up got, to two point yep. two million. Yeah. And look, if you're running a hundred and fifty million dollar business, I mean, I'm not saying they they're not worth it, but guardrails. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what we're talking. We don't have enough money to run all our sports. Well, you just gave the AD two point two, right? So, you know, we got an extra million floating around Baton Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's it. You know, we we were in our long Olympic uh, sports uh, discussion last week on the heels of the California bill, which which would require revenue sharing from schools. You know, that's one of the big the big issues. Is right, we don't have enough money and um as the those not in college sports would would say that there's an easy solution here and that is to cut staff because you can't cut sports according to the bill if you cut sports and the athletic cut, director will be suspended That's so you can't, be their thing. well you can't yeah you can't cut roster spots scholarships or sports teams or you're the athletic director will be suspended for three years according to the bill so what do you do how do you pay yeah. for it and the answer is you got to cut staff right or or and you cut salaries. That's that's how you Good luck. or you use yeah. donations meant for maybe facilities or other things to to pay the football and basketball players and other players of sports that qualify up to the the revenue mark. Yeah, that well, that uh, you know was interesting in our uh, Dan reference start. We had a you know a text discussion the three of us with the the unnamed AD, and I was asking whether costs had gone up for. Olympic sports at a higher percentage than than the other sports. Like, why is it now sustain, unsustainable? And said they've gone up for everything, but that's, I mean, the, the a lot of the added staff is nutrition and mental health and that sort of thing. I mean, there's still there. You look, you you cannot convince me you need all 42 analysts. And to the point we're talking about, where the un, you can have unlimited analysts on the field at Alabama and Georgia, every player will have an analyst. Like every single one will have somebody coaching them on something uh if they if they if they go completely like unregulated on that but that's where a lot of the bloat comes from you know if you are trying to sell p5 
people to come play sports at your school. Well, yeah, we're going to help you with nutrition. We got this person here and we're going to help you with academics. We got academic counseling and we're going to help you with mental health. We got this person here. A lot of it's good, but you can't convince me you need all those people for all those sports. You cannot. Or a fourth softball and baseball coach. Correct. Correct. So, you know, or, or, or let's write so many rules that we need a, a 17 person compliance department. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just get rid I of wonder, some of the rules. I, can we can we pare down the compliance departments now that there seem to be fewer rules being enforced? Right, but that's know. what they want more rule. We need to we need to approve of all the deals, so we need more people, right, yeah, right. to make sure right. the, 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 that what, field hockey player getting her her yeah. free grain bowl, <laughs> like she gets a free bowl of a bowl of grain or salad every day. Is that approved? I don't know. Let's have a. We better hire someone. 43,000 in benefits. Uh, compliance you know. staffs have, uh, from what, if you talk to administrators and people in compliance, have, quote, never been more stressed out because they're trying to track down and keep keep count of all of these deals that are reported. Some of them not reported. So they're trying to get get them reported. And, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. it's quite, uh, quite messy in, in certain places. And they have. They've hired, you know, there's several places that have hired extra extra staffing. Oh, yeah. It, it's like, as Dan said, to Dan's point, like, you know, do you really need to keep track of all of this stuff? Yeah, might be a free bowl I, of grain out there. <laughs> we can't have that. Yeah, that the, untracked. Lot of the, untracked. At, consumes at the top everything. level, half, at least 50% of deals aren't being reported. So it, yeah. I don't even know what it, what, what's the I big mean, what, deal. <laughs> I, I, I can't even. Hey, just. A hundred percent of them used to not be reported. Yeah, that's before. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You just got bag a free man. Bowl. The bag man the doesn't report deals. That's no, right. It, it might have worked. You know, yeah. Go to this bar after ten. They let in all the athletes free, and you drink free. Okay. I, I, I uh, I'll never understand the 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 concept of like, or why would you want that job? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a job, and you're at, but like, yeah. you know what? My dream is to one day make sure. <laughs> That I can track every free bowl of grain in my college town to make sure we're applying to some rules that nobody gives a crap about and nobody even believes in other than like three people at the NCA who are all up in their feelings about how no one's following their rules and are going to hell and high water. We're going to catch somebody doing something. Here we go. I got, I hear from some compliance people, and they're not oh, mad. Yeah. They're not happy with you already, Dan Wetzel, and this is yeah. going to make it worse. We're going to hear. I was thinking, I, thinking we're going to hear smart something. people. They do a good job, but it's like, I, I hear from them too. They call, they text, they email, they direct message. They, I mean, they kill me on this. They're going to kill me on this one. It's just like, I, I don't blame you for taking the work, man. It's an, hey, put, put, support your family. But it's just like, what a bizarro industry. Yeah. The rules shouldn't exist. The rules don't exist. Yet, you have to hire more people to make sure we're following the rules. These are the same, you know, it's the same folks that are not approving your expense report because you put like three bottles of water on there. You know? <laughs> We're not paying for your water. <laughs> exactly. Where's the, uh, do you have a receipt for that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I do not have a receipt for my dollar. Itemized. Bottle of water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't even get me started. There's a whole bunch of people at the Yahoo offices are cringing right now to see if I will start <laughs> talking. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. That's all right. Under oh, we can all we can all expel tell expense. Fire yeah, away. We can all tell expense. Everybody can tell yes. expense stories. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> Listen, I'll tell you somebody who uh, is is thinking outside the box, earning their earning their pay one way or the other. Hormel Chili. We're familiar with the Hormel Chili brand. Oh boy! If you're watching college sports these days, you can't help but be familiar with Hormel. They're they're pitching that Hormel Chili. To me, the best part of chili is making the chili. Yeah, right. And it's like it's something like like all right, like guys are not all good cooks. Or even if you're starting out, you're not a good cook, but you can grill and make chili, right? <laughs> Isn't that our thing? That's kind of our thing. To me, I mean, it's that's grill, your, that's grill your male sure, completely yeah. sexist, and I'm <clears throat> insulting some man out there. But like, if if even at like 20 years old in college, you figured out how to make chili. Hey, I used a pressure cooker for the first time last night. I was so proud of myself. Oh, I pressure cooked a roast beef in and onions really? and mushrooms. I was so I know I was so excited. Nice. But instead of chili work. for me, Dan, it's gumbo. It's gumbo. Well, gumbo grilled, is similar. Grilled, right? That's you know, that's Gulf Coast uh, chili. That's yeah, Gulf Coast go. chili. Yeah, very yeah, similar. Yeah. Very similar. Right. So it's that yeah. like you and you work on it and like I don't know. That's the fun part. Anyway, you can get in the can Hormel. Uh, chili and uh, I mean we're not foodies here. Needless to say, we spent a lot of time talking about Arby's and uh, McDonald's. I mean, but Popeye. anyway, Hormel Chili is out, and they have teamed up with the uh, Modest, I believe it is Modest Brewing Company, and they have uh, made up hooked up with the Modest Brewing Company, and uh, which is in Minnesota, and they are now produce the Hormel Chili Cheese Brew. <laughs> Uh, a beer uh, that is described as a chili cheese dip inspired corn chip flavored crushable American lager with a quote mix of savory spices and hints of cheddar cheese powder. <laughs> Pat, you are a beer snob. Uh-huh. Um, will you drink the Hormel chili cheese brew? Hell no. Good God. I mean, look, beer is a good product. Even the bad beer is a good product. Don't screw it up by putting cheese powder in it or trying to in any way replicate chili in the beer. You have the beer with the chili. You don't need the chili in the beer. Come on here. What are we, you're overthinking it. Now, look, I... I admire the hustle. Uh, was it Bojangles is now is trying to is has a beer brand that they're pushing. So yeah, maybe it's a hard seltzer or something. So it's bow time. Yeah, you know I, I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> but but no, you cannot make me drink the Hormel chili chili cheese beer. All right, well, well Pat, you have questions, and there is an ad here from the Modest Brewing people to explain okay. what they call the dip turn sip. Dip turn sip. <laughs> I admire the phraseology, but I don't cheese. admire the beer. Let's see it. <laughs> well, we're going to see. Uh, Sean, can you play this ad for us so you can hear uh, from the uh, creators? How do you take your favorite dip and turn it into your favorite sip? Ooh, my <laughs> You brew it into reality <laughs> by combining cheesy chilliness with hoppy beeriness. Chili cheese beer. Chillification. Yum. Introducing Hormel Chili Cheese Brew. It's the beautiful can. Now you can pair your dips and sip. So bubbly. 
score your four pack at hormelchilicheesebrew.com. Get it, get it, get it. There you go. I'm unconvinced. Sorry, I feel, yeah, I feel like if you're selling a four pack, you're selling a four pack. You're not, you're not, you're not convinced it's going to be that popular. Like Bush Light goes <laughs> right. thirty. <Yeah. laughs> they I'm know. I'm a fan of yours. Seventeen seventy six one time. I'm a fan oh, of uh, fa- the somewhat flavored beer. Like I, I actually like a Beta's seasonal different fruit beer, like the lemon and like the strawberry and like the blueberry. Like I don't mind that stuff, but chili is uh, where I draw the line. Uh, chili I'm not cheese. Drinking chili cheese. I'm not drinking a beer. As Pat said, he he nailed it. Like you drink your beer with the chili. You know, just like you, you could you even drink your beer with the gumbo. I don't want a gumbo taste uh, beer either. I'm sure they make that somewhere. Oh. It's probably gross. Oh. Yeah. That sounds terrible. That it's sounds even just, worse than this. Yeah. yeah, that's bad. Bad, bad. You can even brew chili with beer. Yes, yeah. you can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. My, my go-to recipe, you put a bottle of beer in. Yeah. There you go. I mean, I don't know. Well, so Pat. Dan, you, you're, the, you're the trash beer drinker. What do you think? <laughs> No, I'm drinking my normal beer, but I okay. like I like beer flavored beer. <laughs> yeah, it's my fa- yeah. you know I'm pretty co- I'm I'm more about temperature than anything else. I just like it really cold. <laughs> I like really I cold you. drinks. Yes. So or hot coffee. That's it. So anyway, Pat, would you drink a Bush Light or the chili, che- Hormel chili <laughs> cheese dip inspired oh, corn would- chip flavored crushable American lager? <laughs> I would I would drink a Bush Light happily over okay. that. And wow. as you know. The night of, uh, I think, well, one night at the championship game, we we, we drank some Natty Light. Kind yes. of under duress, but we did. <laughs> under duress that, as in we couldn't get anything else anywhere else because everything was closed. That's yeah, a tougher CBS. decision for me. I need to taste this chili beer before I decide whether I'm diving into some bush light. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. The devil you know, my man. The devil you know. <laughs> All right, that uh, this has been a weird pot. We've been all over the boat. <laughs> are they? No, are any of them normal? No, not really. But I mean, sometimes we're like, "Hey, Alabama played a big game yesterday." We're going to talk about those. That. Are the boring ones though? There is college basketball going on, and I've been watching some more. Like, I am fascinated. Saturday, they have this uh, the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, which like is yeah, kind of funny. Um, one is Tennessee Texas, so like Rick Barnes gets to remind Texas like. Uh, it's been a total disaster since I left. And now I mm-hmm. failed to make it out of the second round with uh, Kevin Durant. But, you know, <laughs> overall, it was a good run. But the one that kills me is this Kansas-Kentucky game because Kansas is on – what's the losing streak? Like four games? Three. 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 Okay. They've never had a four-game losing streak under Bill Self. But yeah, to, I mean, not to avoid wow. it, they've got to win in Rupp Arena. Cataclysmic. Wow. He is really happy the Chiefs are good and no one's paying attention. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, unbelievable. And they have Kansas State coming on, like, Tuesday next week. So they have to go to Kentucky, who has just, like, gotten its legs under itself. was, like, about two weeks ago they were begging Calipari to leave and didn't yeah. look like they'd make the NCAA basketball tournament. Now they're they're playing much better and should make the tournament. And who knows what happens in March. But, like, I've never seen a, a Kansas and Kentucky, those kind of schools play, whatever, K- Kentucky, Duke. Like, other than in March – you want to win the game, but you don't need to win the game, right? Like, if this is a normal year and one's ranked three and one's ranked six, you mm-hmm. want to win, 
But if you lose, you just go back to work and you see what happens in March. But and I'm not saying like I don't think Calpar himself, they both have lifetime contracts. But yeah. I'm not saying anyone's getting fired or anything, but like this would be a rough defeat for whoever loses. Yeah, no, no matter no matter who loses, it's going to feel real bad. I mean, if it Kansas is like, oh my God, the, you know the the bridges are burning, we're we're going down uh, four in a row again. They, they've they've not done that, and Bill Self's been there a long time. And then Kentucky, yeah, you've you've done you've done a lot of work in the last two weeks to get yourself just on the right side of the bubble. You're probably like a ten seed right now. Don't lose at home. Don't backtrack off of that, and then put more pressure on yourself to keep winning in the SEC. So. Uh, and Calipari wouldn't necessarily get fired, certainly not over this game, but this season could, could end up, you know, if they, if they slide again, it's going to be so miserable that I don't know what he does. Uh, you know, he's sitting on $40 million and saying, make me, he's got the Jimbo Fisher situation. I got so much money. You can't fire me. You're just going to have to live with me, but it's not going to be a very happy existence. If Kentucky, uh, backslides back to where they were all of two weeks ago when they were losing to a South Carolina team that's absolutely horrible. Ross could talk on college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well ask me about the life on Mars. Yeah, okay. Calipari, there's a side note, has nothing to do with anything, but Calipari does have DJ Wagner signed for next year, the number one recruit in the country. A massive um, class sign for me. A massive class sign. So I ain't going anywhere. But and he's doing well. But just as a side note, because I love the Wagner family. They announced the McDonald's All American games this week. And DJ Wagner, as you would expect, made it. Most people focused on Bronny James getting in. So it's like father, son, both made McDonald's All American games. There was no doubt there there is a debate whether Bronny should have been a McDonald's All American. Whatever. They picked him. Um, I'm not getting into that because I don't know. D- there is no doubt on DJ Wagner, but he becomes no. the third generation of McDonald's All-Americans from the Wagner family. Milt Wagner, 1981. Dewan Wagner in 2001. Maybe was 2000. It? Maybe 2000. Uh, I tweeted this out. One of the two. Yeah. One of the two. And yeah. now, uh, now DJ in 2023. Not only that's the first time we've had Three generations make the McDonald's game. They all played at Camden, New Jersey High School. The same high school. I say this yeah. never gets repeated. No, I think you're right. That's and incredible. Their, their allegiance to, to Camden High, which is like, I think they're under some kind of investigation on how these how oh, they've yeah. built the team. But look at if you're going to be allegiance to a not wealthy school, public school, like, good. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. none of them went off to wherever, right? And right. none of them ever moved. Yeah, p- p- prolific prep or prolific this prep, prep or, or this prep. or that. IMG. All three from the same high school that Grandpa went to. Absolutely amazing. The Wagner family is like uh, it's, it's incredible. Like they never. I mean, Milt was one hell of a player, and yes. and so wasn't Dewan. But Dewan never quite made it in the end. Uh, you know, he had uh, injury issues and stuff. We'll see what DJ does, but like. I mean, there's some great father-son duos out there, right? The Currys, the the Thompsons, the I mean, there's a million, right? The, we'll see what the Jameses do. He could have two sons. He could have multiple sons make McDonald's game. But uh, how about those three? Good job on the Wagners, man. Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. Uh, three generations, and and as you said, like all of them 
mega stars. Not a, neither of the first two became NBA stars, but Milt, Milt's got a championship ring from his time. He was with the Lakers in the 80s. Yeah. Wani never really had a, an NBA career, but DJ, I've seen DJ play. He's whew, incredibly talented. Saw him play yeah. against Bronny, in fact. And he was uh, much the best player on the floor. But yeah. Uh, it's an incredible, incredible saga, really generational. Yeah. Mel Wagner's a really, really nice guy to talk to. I've always Wonderful enjoyed nice talking guy. to Mel Wagner. So good job on the Wagners, man. Way to go. All right. That's our show. It's gotta be, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, more of whatever the heck we do here. So keep <laughs> subscribing, share your, share us on social media. Don't give up on us just cause it's the quote off season. Like, come on now. This is the fun yeah, part. Well, who else is going to keep you up to date on chili cheese beer? Eh, I can't All right. We will uh, talk to you later.